show today? Chris Berman. Ever heard of him? 10.30. Talk about his Buffalo Bills. I, I certainly can't bet on Mason Rudolph, and I certainly can't bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I certainly think the Buffalo Bills are going to win that game. And there's a lot of historical numbers that really back the Bills, but the, the later it's gone in the week, and this is just so you know, Bills fans, this is always me with everything. Like I, My most confident pick this weekend was going to be taking the Rams on the spread. I just like the Rams. I like how the Stafford thing works for them. And now I'm, I'm at the end of the week, and all of a sudden I'm overthinking and going, you know, the Lions are really going to play for Goff and that offensive line, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I'm in overthink time. But it's just it's a little... There's some, there's some scary signs as well for the Buffalo Bills. This one, I don't know if it should be 10 points. But yeah, Chris Berman. Got Jason McCourty from Good Morning Football, former defensive back, guy who played for Belichick, won a Super Bowl with Belichick. I spoke with him yesterday. I would normally try to trick you and not say when I recorded that interview, but then the Patriots this morning, right as I'm getting ready, classic Simon Bennett outside of the studio, just cold bucket of water in my face yelling at me. This is his move. He's never like, he never starts by, hey, JD, good morning. It's always, so the Patriots. And I, ha, ah, ha, ah. that's, what, I, what about the Patriots? Yeah, but Belichick, no. He, he informed me that they have decided that Gerard Mayo is in fact the guy. So disregard us discussing the part about Mike Vrabel in that interview. I guess it still applies. And then he does bring up Gerard Mayo. But, uh, that's this. I, I'm aware of the news. Okay, I'm disclosed. I'm aware that Gerard Mayo is the Patriots coach, and then Haley Salvian at 10 o'clock today, so I can talk a little bit more about the Leafs. I, I got a couple minutes on the Leafs here, and then I'll play the Jason McCourty interview. So they blow the lead yesterday against the Islanders. I don't like it. Who likes it? Sheldon Keefe was pissed off. He talked about the special teams, but you know why Sheldon Keefe was so pissed about the special teams? It's because that's the only way that you can score against the Leafs lately. Granted. Two games against the Sharks, a Kings team that was falling apart a little bit. The Columbus Blue Jackets, the strength of schedule has not been phenomenal. Marty Jones was solid yesterday, but the Leafs weren't giving up a ton of home plate opportunities. I thought that they played a a pretty solid defensive game. It was a tight-checked game against the New York Islanders. And yeah, you're saying, J.D., they're not the team with the most firepower. Let's see it against, say, the Avs this weekend and the Red Wings this weekend. And to that I say, correct. Let's see how this new defensive approach that the Toronto Maple Leafs are taking actually applies against groups that have a little bit more offensive punch. Leafs in their last six games have only given up two goals, five on five. That's a something stat. That's becoming a something stat. If they can stay out of the box, if they can avoid dumb penalties, reckless penalties, sloppy penalties, however you want to call them, the ones that they took last night, right? The Lilligren high stick, dumb. The Holmberg trip, dumb. Yeah, I know he stepped on your stick. Be careful with your stick. Stop doing the one-handed thing, although actually the one-handed thing that Holmberg does resulted in a goal yesterday too, so never mind. Maybe you just got to live with that one. They lose in overtime. It's three-on-three. That's where another one of those goals comes from. Leafs have tightened up. So here's what I like about it going into the weekend. The Leafs' strength of schedule is about to get much, much, much more difficult, Okay. The good people at The Athletic put together a piece yesterday that outlined who has the, the toughest jumps in schedule for the second half. And 
Good news for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The toughest jump, the biggest jump in strength of schedule belongs to the Boston Bruins. Nice. Nice. Number two is the Leafs. <laughs> so there's, there's no more good news after the Bruins thing. It's the Leafs. They go from playing a schedule that was pretty light, to be honest. It was not a, not a, great, not a great strength of schedule. To one where they're jumping from 87-point teams on average to 94-point teams on average in the second half. So the positive spin here is that this is the very beginning of what I hope to be a, a, a strong stretch of hockey from the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're a team that we've criticized because they lower themselves to their opponent. That's been better lately, right? So that's one good sign for the Toronto Maple Leafs is that they've played better against the cellar dwellers, right? Took care of business against Columbus. Didn't screw around with San Jose. Good for them. Now let's see if they can actually apply this new, these new, I don't want to say defensive principles because that's not the actual, that's not the verbiage here. But let's see if they can apply their newfound better defensive play against the better teams in the NHL. Let's see, let's see if they can play what I think resembles more of playoff style hockey against the better teams in the NHL. And I, I get it, it's January, but here's what I would say to that. It's a very good stretch for the Leafs to try to really figure out what they're going to do in terms of the trade deadline this year. Because to me, before the Nylander contract, before we knew that the Leafs were just going to be in cap hell next season and that was going to be more difficult until Tavares came off the books and they figured out what was going on with Mitch Marner, I thought, you know, this year... Do you really want to be going all in? Do you really want to be pushing first round picks in? Do you really want to be pushing prospects in? How do you want to play this one at the deadline? I think I'd even mentioned that it, there, was a, there was a scenario here where you treated it a little bit like the year where they lost to David Ayers and they went to the deadline and said, yeah, we'll get Nick Patan and that's it. We'll shop, we'll, we'll shop Tyson Berry and we'll go from there. Oh, what? You didn't want to give him a first? Whatever. Then we'll just hang on to him. You lose to Columbus in the first round. The Leafs gave me some of those vibes at times this year. They really did. Now, I'm not sure. Give me this month. Let's see how you perform. Let's see where you're sitting in the standings. And if you're at the very top of this thing, come February, come the return of Joseph Wall after the All-Star break, I think that that gives you a pretty good indicator to your front office saying, you know, these guys have played a tougher schedule. They're starting to play a little bit better defensively. The swap, it, it seems like an insignificant one, but the a small swap of a guy like Nick, Nick Robertson for someone with a more well-rounded game like Pontus Holmberg really changes the dynamic of your bottom six. Maybe you add another guy like a Corey Perry down there. Maybe you're trading for somebody else from another team that helps balance out your bottom six, gives it a little bit more depth. And then you're really assessing this thing and saying, hey, you know what? Push push some some chips in the middle. But it starts with them playing more consistently. And I... I'm a believer that this is going to be a good year for them heading into the playoffs this way. Uh, these are good markers for me. Other than the fear of what's going to happen with the goaltending and knowing that the prices are going to be sky high for another defenseman, the Leafs having a year where Matthews is going to be this engaged in terms of, well, he's just playing brilliantly, but I think we all know that him chasing, him chasing the 50 and 50 and him being able to put together a potential 65-goal season is going to be a good thing for him, as long as you don't believe in the whole peaking too early stuff, right? He, keeping him engaged all year long. Marner knowing that he's essentially into his contract year now. Nylander having to prove it. This Leafs team probably being a little bit deeper than they are going to be next year. But also, playing tough opponents, 
having it be tight in the standings all year long, that this isn't just going to be some, hey, Leafs are locked into a first-round matchup against Tampa and we got a month and a half to go in the season. Great. That's, that doesn't appear to be what we're going to have this season. So having to stay engaged the entire way, stars engaged for meaningful reasons, better depth than you're probably going to have next year, and good tests when it comes to strength of schedule, forcing the players to make up for what their situation is in net. I like these markers for the Leafs. I like them on paper, though. Let's see them in, in application. Anyway, um, I want to say, too, before this Jason McCourty interview, whoever, whoever made the schedule in the NHL, I'll never forgive you. I feel like Liam Neeson in Taken. I will find you. Back-to-back Saturday-Sunday games, back-to-back this weekend and next weekend, where the Leafs play during NFL wildcard and divisional weekend, you should be sentenced to life in prison. You should never see the light of day again. It should be man in the iron mask type stuff. Like you're deep in a dungeon somewhere wearing that heavy, heavy iron mask and I come down and I throw gruel or whatever into your cell and then I leave and I, I, I close the door and it's just darkness and you don't know for how long your hair's all grown out, your fingernails are all grown out, you're just it's disgusting. What did I do? That's what I want. That's what I want for this person who did this to me where I have to miss NFL football, playoff NFL football to watch the Leafs play on Sundays. Especially The Saturdays I go, okay, this is I accept, I accept, I accept. Back to back, not even one but two. Man in the iron mask, deep in the dungeon. Anyways, here's my interview with Jason McCourty yesterday. Very, very, very excited for our next guest. We had planned this before. The retirement of, or I shouldn't say retirement, the departure of Bill Belichick from New England, but it's 13-year NFL vet. Of course, Super Bowl champion in 2018 with those New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Host of Good Morning Football, three seasons in New England. It's Jason McCourty. How are we doing, man? I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, dude, it's great to have you. I just I just finished watching the Belichick media conference, and I got to tell you, it felt surreal. Does it Does it feel real to you? No, it's crazy. And you got to think about, I spent three years there in New England, and you said it won a Super Bowl. But before that, I spent uh, eight years in Tennessee, a year in Cleveland. I played against the Patriots. My brother was there, and he was a staple. You get used to seeing him with the hoodie on the sideline, me mugging. Uh, You get used to his press conferences with the short answers or it's on the Cincinnati. And to think that there's going to be a different coach on those sidelines is just going to be insane. It's, it's wild, too. I was watching the media conference, and he didn't tear up. Uh, like, I, I expected it from Pete Carroll. I'm a Seahawks fan. I knew Pete Carroll was going to cry, and I felt bad watching yeah. Pete Carroll cry. But Belichick got – I thought he got a little close. When he started talking about uh, the, the players and the Patriots and the support he had from Robert Kraft, and then he stepped down, I was like, man, we almost got Bill Belichick crying. Yeah, and, you know, he doesn't show that side or emotional side or – always appreciation for the people that are in that building. But I know he mentioned Burge, a guy that's been next to him forever. Miss Nancy, who's in that building, who's been there since before Belichick has seen it all in that building. Those are people that are staples there that are every single day grinding and out that don't always get the recognition and everything that goes along with it. And 
Still, anybody that's been around him, he's a football. He's X's and O's type of guy. And he doesn't always have time for the small talk and all those different things. And I think a lot of us can say that in our lives, that we don't always get to tell the people that are closest to us or that mean the most to us how much we appreciate them. So I think for anybody, when you go to say those things, especially when you know it's the end of a chapter, uh, it changes what that feels like. Well, you know, that's, that's something I'm really curious about with Belichick. And I think we all are, right, the outsiders? Because the, the, the Belichick we see is uh, a lot of it induces eye rolling, right? It's the, like you mentioned, the on to Cincinnati and the way that he treated even his last game against the Jets where he goes, I put all, everything I had into the Jets and he's, he's short and he's curt. But it, uh, reports always seem to be that he always made time for players, that he gave back what he seemed to get from his players as a coach. Like I'm guessing that for you, when you, you left like the worst situation and you entered the best situation. Right. So I don't know if there was like a different level of gratitude for you or buy-in for you leaving, you know, a winless Browns team and then heading to a team that had Super Bowl aspirations, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. But what was your relationship like with him? How, how did you feel he generally, genuine, generally treated players? It was all about football. I think sometimes and for me personally, my own feelings towards it is, for some people, you're looking for a coach to be all of these different things. What I loved about mm-hmm. playing for Bill Belichick was he was consistent every single day. Like, you're coming into work, not like a personal hangout. We're coming into work, and he's going to set the aim and the agenda for the day and what it's going to take on any given week for us to beat our opponents. And it's up to you to live up to those expectations and to get your job done. And it was as simple as that. And it was the first time for me in my career that – you could eliminate a lot of the other hoopla and stuff that doesn't matter. And you get to walk in there and focus on the job at hand. Bill didn't care what we wore at meetings. He didn't care what color cleats you had on, on a practice field, any of those different things where I've been in organizations where we had to wear the same color shirt, the same color shorts, team issued this, that, and the third to every single meeting. And nobody cares about that stuff. When we get in between the white lines. Do you know what your job is? Do you know what your opponent's going to do? Can you execute that under pressure? Those are the things that Bill focused on, and those are the ways that he challenged you every single day to live up to that. And if you couldn't meet those challenges, somebody else was going to do it in your place. So that's what he was as a coach, and that's what you want a coach to be. Yeah. Um, again, your brother was there, so yeah, you, you kind of had the the inside look beforehand. But and again, I know you're a proud guy. You're a football player. You spent 13 years in the NFL, man. But were, was there an intimidation when you first meet him? Because I would imagine that getting to know Bill Belichick, like when you're first entering the building, that has to that has to feel somewhat weighty and difficult. Hell yeah! Uh, but yeah. for me, I was a six round <laughs> draft pick. So uh, yeah. when I first got in the league, I was scared to death of every single coach. Uh, Jeff Fisher was my first head coach in Tennessee. And anytime a head coach is talking to you, you're afraid that he's telling you to bring your playbook. So now when you get on with Belichick, it definitely plays a part. Um, Just a quick story. When Dev got drafted, I was already in the league in Tennessee. And his draft call, I was the one who answered the call. And uh, Robert Kraft, as Kraft was on the phone, and I just pretended to be dead. We're going to draft you with this next pick. I'm so excited, Mr. Kraft. I'm going to come there. I'm going to work my butt off. You say all the right things. And then he goes, all right, I want to put Coach Belichick on the phone. And that's when I ran and gave the phone to my brother. It was in the back of the slid it on the door because of that, that fear, because of what everybody else says on the outside world of what he's like. But I do think for a lot of guys, and every person is different, your personality. I've been on teams and different guys, even in New England, where they're good friends with Bill. They'll say whatever to Bill. I was there 
with um, Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett is going to talk to anybody the same exact way. That's his personality. I think that's the, the really cool thing about being a part of a locker room, whether it's players or coaches alike. You get a mix of everyone and how that all blends together. Sometimes it comes out great where you're on, or you're a Super Bowl champ, and there's other times like the year before I got to New England where the mix just doesn't add up right. You don't win a single game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, take me back to 2018 because to me, I, I don't think there's a more impressive coaching performance than the 2018 Super Bowl. Like considering all the hype that was behind the Rams and McVay and that offense. And by the way, for you, guy played every snap on defense in that game. Four tackles, two pass deflections. Pretty nice. Pretty good game for you. But yeah, what like what is your memory of that game? What is your Belichick memory of that game? Because I think for us again on the outside, it's always wow, must have made all the adjustments at halftime. But yeah, you're a part of that defense that just completely ruined that Rams Sunday. What what will you remember about it from a Belichick standpoint? Oh yeah, I mean we're going into that game and McVeigh and Golf and Cooks and the whole crew they're they're averaging thirty five points a game I think and yep. what I remember most about that game and I'll credit Bill Belichick but I'll also talk about Brian Flores who was our defensive coordinator that year and Josh Boyer our, our DB coach and then Brendan Daly was he handled the front and between Bill and those three guys in that defensive meeting room. They put together one hell of a plan because we got about midway through that season and we changed up defensively where we just started playing everybody man-to-man with our corners pressed on the outside. J.C. Jackson was a rookie that year who came on late in the season for us as well. And we, we waited all the way to the Super Bowl playing that style of defense. And we got to the week of or the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl and about three or four days in, we decided to change our entire defense and what we were going to do to get ready for that offense because we knew if we just played man, how fast they lined up from a play-in and play-out situation, how receivers moved all over the field, it was going to be hard for us to just be able to find our guys and get a line. Forget about having to cover them. That was the toughest part. And we changed up to a zone-heavy scheme on first and second down and mix it up on third down. And my memory of that is just the ability and the trust from coaches to players to go into the biggest game of the season and change everything up and believe that guys are going to be able to adapt and adjust on the move and be able to figure it out. And I remember it was probably the day before, two days before the game, we had something that we were doing in the red zone that was kind of intricate and we had to get lined up to. And Bill pulls my brother and myself aside and goes, when we get into the game, if somebody's missed the line when they come out in this formation, I'm not yelling at anybody else other than you two. And it just kind of goes to show, like, and he used a lot, a lot of colorful language, but it shows, like, the trust in how he knew a team fit together. Where it's just like, I may not ask this of this guy, but I may ask ten times more for the next guy because I know he can handle it. And this other guy, his strength may be, we may have to help him line up, but once he gets lined up, he can shut anybody down. So I, I appreciated that because that was probably the first team I've been on where from week to week your game plan can completely change and you have to adjust and adapt to it. See, I, I think that the one of the things I really like about Belichick and one of the things I like when we're discussing this is I, I'm a big believer of, you know, you get the energy you put back kind of thing or if someone, you know, treats you with respect, you give back respect or if someone's a hard worker and they invest in you, you invest back. And that's the thing with Belichick, right, is I, I just feel like players like yourself and others who got it who are willing to show up with that sort of work ethic, 
could see that he was never trying to shortchange other players or, yeah, not match exactly the, the level of preparation that he put in and the expectation that he had of his guys. I, I find that to be just incredibly impressive. And, and I do wonder if, yeah, part of the reason that he's just not going to be staying in New England is that it was just tougher and tougher for him to identify those same kind of players or resonate with the same kind of players. And, and I wonder, do you think he should be done? Do, do you want to see him somewhere else? I, it's going to feel weird. Any any sweater, any pullover, he pulls over that that body. But do you think Belichick still has something left in the tank, something left to prove, or that he will continue to coach? Yeah, I definitely think he will. I think uh, for guys like Bill and athletes, anybody, I mean, Tom Brady put on a Tampa Bay jersey and no one thought mm-hmm. that it was going to be normal of any sort. If my son walks around with a Tom Brady Tampa Bay jersey, he won a Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. I think for Bill, uh, he loves the game of football, and he said it. Monday after the, uh, the Jets game, the final one that is going to be with the New England Patriots, that he still enjoys game plan. He still enjoys being in the media with the guys and getting them prepared and ready to go for a game on whatever day the week it comes up. So I do think he's going to uh, continue to coach where that is. We'll have to figure out is that immediately next year was the best situation, best scenario for him. He's done it for so long. I'm sure he's going to be very picky and hand-selective of what that next organization looks like. But I do think he still has something to prove. I think he wants to get that all-time winning record for uh, head coach. I think he probably would love to win another Super Bowl of all the conversations of without Brady, this, that, and the third. So I think the way when you've won as much as he has, the competitive nature that, that, that comes along with that, you're always finding something to prove. With the Patriots, where do you turn next? Because there's a case to be made that you want a fresh start rather than replicate or try to continue the quote unquote Patriot way under Vrabel. And he just, he feels like such a natural fit. It feels like such an obvious fit. But if you were them, if you were Robert Kraft, would you want to just say, Hey, let's, let's not try to take the pressure of the old era. Let's try to start something completely new. I think that's where it's going to get really interesting because when you look at the, which I've done kind of throughout the course of today, when you look at the Patriots in their history with Robert Kraft being there, you realize there's only been three coaches. It was Parcells, it was Pete Carroll, and it was Bill Belichick. So I think on the surface, you mentioned Vrabel. I would also mention Gerard Mayo. Those, to me, are the candidates that make so much sense. But I think on the other side of it, though, is between Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, they haven't gone through the interview process in 20-something years. So I think there's a side of this that is unknown because we don't know who they're going to come across that they hadn't even thought of that just may shock them. But I would say as this thing starts off right now, before Vrabel uh, got let go in Tennessee, I would have said Gerard Mayo was for sure the leaning candidate to take over because as much as you can say, all right, let's get away from the Belichick way, the Belichick way won six Super Bowls over the span of 24 years. And I tell people all the time, you can look at whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, and go through some of the best quarterbacks that have ever played this game throughout kind of my lifetime of playing, nobody has won six of them. And people say all the time, well, from a talent standpoint, Aaron Rodgers is probably more talented than Tom Brady. But then they also say Belichick doesn't win Super Bowls without Brady. Say, well, you have one of the best quarterbacks, but you're able to get six rings out of it. And you look at other coaches who've been paired with some great quarterbacks, whether it's Dungey and Manning, whether it's Peyton and Breeze, they didn't win them six times. They didn't go to nine of them. So I do think there's something to the Belichick way of continuing that. And obviously, whether it's Gerard Mayo 
is going to have his different twist on it because he's a different person than Bill Belichick. And I think when you get into Mike Vrabel, I think that's a whole nother realm because you got to look at Vrabel. He played for Bill Belichick, but he never coached under Bill. Vrabel was at, under Urban Meyer at Ohio State. He was under Bill O'Brien in Houston. So he's developed his own coaching mentality, yes, from his playing days under Bill, but he's also going to have his own way about doing things as well. All I know is that it's going to – it's just going to be so weird. Like my entire adult life, yours as well. We're the same age. All I know is Bill Belichick and the Patriots. <laughs> you know, like yep. all I know yep. is Patriots dominance, Bill Belichick. And even during this downturn, you kept feeling like, Hey, don't worry. They're, they're, they're going to find their way back. Of course, they're going to find their way back. I don't know how much money I've lost on Sundays thinking, <laughs> Hey, you know, it's going to be Belichick. So he's going to like that last jets game that killed me. Cause I went, it's Belichick versus the jets. You got to be kidding me. There's absolutely no way. I think it, was weirdly time, but it it still doesn't feel that way. Okay, so over to the games this weekend, Super Wild Card weekend. You took a strong stance on Lions fans, which I loved. I to- I agree with you one hundred percent. Boo Stafford. Why why would you cheer Stafford? Why would you be showing respect to Stafford? It's it's playoffs. I, I wonder though, how do you think the players and the coaches are going to use the whole Stafford stuff for for motivation? Like, how are they going to try to prey upon this from a Lions standpoint heading into this weekend? I don't think the Stafford part will play a piece other than the standpoint of game planning, looking at strengths and weaknesses, because you look at this Lions team, and I don't know how many of those guys in that locker room were still there and a part of the Matthew Stafford era because Dan Campbell comes in and Brad Holmes, and whenever you get a new head coach, a new general manager, they start to get their guys in there. I think everybody's well aware of it, but I think beyond like Stafford and the Lions talk, <laughs> Detroit Lions haven't won a playoff game in forever. So if there's a player in that locker room that you know, you're looking for any type of motivation, you got to be crazy because this is a team where you think about it, they they got hot last year, but they were one and seven at one point. So this is under Dan Campbell. They they've been through the ringer a little bit. So now to be at this point in this season, have a chance to win a Super Bowl. I think the part that they're saying to Matt Stafford is like, all right, he's coming back home. Let's make sure we ruin it. Yeah, I love that. It's just like, hey, listen, I all due respect to Matt Stafford. I think that he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Seems like a great guy. The video he and his wife put out, like that's it was it was lovely. But if I'm a Lions fan, all I'm thinking is, hey, you know, you still represent the time where we were the losers and where we couldn't get one. And so now it's a it's a different time. We're we're trying to get ours. Uh go Lions. Um last one. It's Tyreek versus the Chiefs. It's a cold weather game. I got to tell you, this this one I, this just makes me sad because I feel like Tyreek and the Chiefs should just be together. You know, they're they're like a, a couple that broke up, and you see them together at a party with different people and all, and and you just go, I miss hanging out with you two together. I miss our our dinner parties. I don't like seeing you apart. It doesn't feel right. Uh, what do you think is going to transpire in this one? Do we start to see a little bit of the the old Chiefs? Do we see a Dolphins team that has really struggled against top tier opponents this season? Like, how, how do you see this one playing out? Man, I like the comparison you said. Of you, you see the couple together. But it's like at the same time, when you look at this couple that's broken up, it's like, all right, well, one of them has gotten married, has family. The Chiefs went on and won a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. It's just like they figured it out. And on the other end, it's just like, well, Tyreek Hill, well, he moved on and got a really hot new girlfriend. It's like, all right, they didn't get married yet. They haven't sealed yeah. the deal. But at the same time, looks like he's doing well because he's been so productive. The biggest challenge to me in this game, as you look at it is, and you hate to be like, Oh, well, the weather's going to play a huge part of it, but it is. It's, 
you look at I was looking at it this this week and Miami has lost ten straight games when the temperature is forty or below. Tua's zero and four in games of that same degrees because you can't. It's so hard to prepare when you're in Miami and it's seventy five, eighty degrees right now, and you get into the game and it's below zero. So I, I want to see if they're able to step up to that challenge. Tua leading them on offense to be able to adjust and adapt to being in that cold weather, and for the Chiefs' offense. It's hard to say, yeah, they're going to find their rhythm. I think their rhythm is different. I don't think we're going to see the Chiefs and the Mahomes of old where he's throwing the ball all around the field. I think they lean on Pacheco. He, he's the guy in the backfield that if they can get him going, it really starts to open things up. And then Rasheed Rice has really stepped up for them on the outside. Yeah, Miami and Tyreek, they're definitely having fun. But they're the ones where they were just like having a lot of fun, but now they're getting a little bit older. And you're like, you know, maybe just, just, just maybe get a little bit more serious. And the Chiefs, it's, hey, you got married and you looked like you were having success, but now your your girlfriend, your wife is whispering in your ear, you know, they're having some troubles. You're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> they, seem, they seem so perfect on the outside. Uh, I'll, I, for me, this game is going to be a, a massive Kelsey game because it, it reminds me of Gronkowski at the end of his Patriots run where everyone thought, hey, it's over, it's over, it's over. He's a different guy. And then what we learned was, hey, he was actually just saving some of it for the final stretch run. Do you think that we will see that Travis Kelsey for the playoffs? Because I feel like if you don't get the special pass catching tight end, then sure, the Chiefs might win this game, but they're, they're not making a run. Yeah, I agree with you. They're going to need it to be a lot more Travis Kelsey than it's been. I think the biggest challenge of what we've seen in the past is even I look at the 2018 season where Gronk kind of comes alive during that, mm-hmm. that playoff run to make plays, but also look at the presence of like a Julian Edelman of being one of Brady's favorite targets and how that takes some of the pressure off of Gronk or he may get a double team on third down, which opens things up. If Rasheed Rice can maybe command some of that attention and start to open things up for Chelsea, I do think it can be a big thing. But I also think for teams defensively, you're going into that game and what you've seen from Mahomes is just like, well, let's just take Kelsey away and let's just see what happens. Let's double team him. Let's pack the middle of the field. Let's make sure Kelsey doesn't beat us and force these other guys, whether it is uh, Rasheed Rice, whether it is Marquez Alvarez-Scanley, somebody else to beat us because time after time this season, the other guys haven't showed up. Hey, Jason, uh, I know it's a really busy time. I know, especially today, your phone has probably been blowing up with all the Belichick news, so I really do appreciate all the time that you made for the show today, man. Thanks so much. Oh, no problem. Appreciate you. Hey, take care, man. Enjoy the games. Uh, you too. Jason McCourty, 13-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champ. And, of course, host of Good Morning Football, three seasons in New England. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff with now friend of the show, Jason McCourty. I, I did a good job because I am always fascinated by twins, and I didn't do any twin talk. I just stayed right in the pocket on business. I didn't go, did you ever get tempted to switch jerseys with your brother? Did you never do that ever in New England? You never switch jerseys? What is he doing right now? What do you think he's doing right now? Do you think, like, do you feel, do you feel him doing something right now? Uh, No twin talk. No twin talk. Okay, a couple quick things on the NFL because I'll put, as always, I'm going to put all my picks on my socials, right? I'm going to go there. That's where you'll get what I'm I'm playing this weekend. But here's a couple quick questions I have for the NFL game. So I'm not doing anything Eagles related because they play Monday, right? And also, Eagles, Bucks, How could you in good faith make a pick for that game? How? 
I mean, I will have to <laughs> come Monday, but right now, days out, not knowing what AJ Brown's injury status is, not knowing if Jalen Hurts can throw a football, multiple days where we could still get a leak about the chemistry of that team. Baker's health. There's just, it's too far away. That's a, that's a, you bet the day of game. That's not a, you jump the market game. Okay. Quickly. I mentioned already, we talked, we talked about the the Stafford Detroit things. I, I will admit again, this is a game I'm very torn about because I've been a lions guy all year and I do not like the Rams. I do not like Sean McVay. I, I don't really feel anything towards Matt Stafford. I just thought it was actually pretty sweet, his video about Detroit. He said, Motown, anybody knows it's special here. I was like, <laughs> as a Toronto, as a Toronto sports fan, it's just in me to get played with those kind of videos, right? Everybody who knows who's been here, it's different here. That's everywhere. That's everywhere anybody's been. You get to say it, because it is. It's slightly different. Places are different from other places. That's just a, that's just a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. Places are different from other places and athletes love saying that. But anyway, Stafford, his video was like eight minutes long. I didn't even get through it all. He made an eight minute video about Detroit heading to Detroit to try and beat their ass in a playoff game. It's a little strange. I get it, but it was a little strange. I feel like it's got to be more of an advantage that Sean McVay knows Goff, even though this has been a better Goff than Goff knows a, a defense that doesn't have anybody on it from the time he was there. It's an indoor game. It's, it's a Detroit indoor. Nice. That's good for golf. It's the West coast team traveling East, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to put too much stock into that. I just, the, the things I can't get over in that game are the Rams are six and two averaging six point yards per play when they have Puka Stafford, Kyron Williams and Cooper cup healthy on the field. And they average almost 400 yards per game. I, I just I feel like they're going to score points. They're guaranteed going to score points. Are the Lions? Yeah, probably. I, I think that this is an over game. I don't know what the total is. I actually should have looked at it. It's probably I'm going to guess it's 54 and a half. That it's it's somewhere in that range. 54 and a half. You're going to be expecting a ton of points in that one. There's no way that it's modeled lower. There's no way. 54 and a half. I'm actually saying is the is the basement for that game. So I like the over. There's probably going to be a ton of points, but I just I feel like this is such a better position for the Rams. But I don't want to go against my Lions. But either way, it's just can the Lions defense slow them down a, a touch when they've been pretty bad? They've been not so great against the past this year. Haven't been so great at home this year. And how does the Stafford thing play out? Because I feel like he's going to be real comfortable in his old digs and that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. A lot of pressure, a lot of... You know, they, they say you try to get a guy off of his game and you try to get into his head. Jared Goff, it, what's more likely? That it, it gets into Stafford's head? That he gets sentimental about being in Detroit? Or that Jared Goff is pissed about the coach that threw him under a bus and then went on to go win a Super Bowl and feeling the, just the immense amount of need to win that game to recapture some type of control over your narrative, your career narrative is Jared Goff. So I just, I really don't like this one for Detroit, but maybe I'll change my mind as the week goes on. I, I did my Tyreek versus the Chiefs thing, but I'll just say this cold weather game. I'm not sure I trust Pacheco in that rushing offense more than I trust McDaniel getting Mostert back and having a chain and being able to run the ball and then having Tyreek Hill 
for the odd bubble screen or broken play, the odd explosive play, because this is a game where it's going to be so cold. You figure an explosive play that goes for a touchdown is going to be massive. And I far, 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 far more trust the fraudulent Miami Dolphins who have beaten nobody good this year. Even the Cowboys game, it was field goals that they won with. Just a bunch of field goals. Fine, you can have it, but ugh. You guys collapsed. Even Dolphins fans know it. And I know because I have two good buddies who are Dolphins fans and they absolutely know it. They were riding high early on in the year and that now at the end of the season, they've come back down to earth. But I trust the explosion of Miami more than I do the Chiefs. But at the end of all of this, I just, I can't get away from two in a cold game versus Patrick Mahomes. I just can't. It's just it, it, all these things, all these reasons to believe in Miami. And I come back to it and go, yeah, but it's, it's Tua, Tunga Vailoa, who with the season on the line threw to Chase Claypool and <laughs> had an interception or are the best quarterback I've ever laid my eyes on. Hmm. Stuff, stuff, stuff. The Bills, I'm going to get into this later with Chris Berman. But the wind is supposed to be a howling in Buffalo. And again, you can say that, oh, well, that's the Josh Allen game. And I do believe that, right? Josh Allen, he's the, he's the best rusher in that game, okay? It's not Warren. I will say that the, the, the Steelers fans, they, they hated... They hated their running backs. And all of a sudden, eh. well, I shouldn't say running backs, but you, you all know Steelers fans. You, you all know how, how, you, how you felt about Najee Harris. You know the things that you said, and now all of a sudden he kind of represents your best chance to win this football game. Bill's rushing defense is actually sneaky, not that great. Najee Harris has been plodding. Najee Harris has been running in between the tackles, some tough weather games. Steelers have been playing for their lives as well, just like the Bills. This is one where I can in good faith bet on the Steelers, but I also wonder if the number is a little it's a little too high. 10? 10? Anyway, I have a stat on that for later. The Browns and Texans. I love this game. I'm, once again, an impossible view for me because I want nothing more. Nothing more, okay? Browns fans, you know. You know that I ride with you. You know I ride with the Browns, okay? I call the Browns out when I think that the Browns fans get too high, but you know deep down in my heart, I carry some love for the Cleveland Browns. I empathize with them. I relate to them. I see you and I see me. I look at a Browns fan in their eyes and I see myself in you, okay? I want nothing more as a fan of the Seattle Supersonics than for you to go beat the Ravens ass and embarrass my brother, my brother who all year long Ravens fan trash, trash talk, trash talk, sharing the Stavi videos, you know, every single week, the Ravens, the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, could you imagine the sweetness, the sweetness of the karma bowl? That would be the Ravens and Browns, the Browns chance to avenge the thievery of their franchise with Joe freaking Flacco. Unk, as they're calling him on that team. Joe freaking Flacco. That defense, number one pass rush, according to Pro Football Focus this year. That belongs to the Cleveland Browns. That defense, your coach. Hey, he's supposedly coach of the year. Well, actually, both these guys in this game are supposed to be coach of the year candidates. But if you're really him, 
Again, as the kids say, if you are him, Kevin Stefanski, you're not going to lose. You're not going to lose to this team, this Texans team that is riding high, that has C.J. Stroud. We get it. Fun, exciting, incredible team. Got to slow down Nico Collins. And you might not have Denzel Ward. Seeing that he's on the injury report, he's apparently 50-50 to play, which is huge, 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 because he's clearly their best coverage player. But come on, Cleveland Browns. That being said, I, man, there's no, there's no team I enjoyed watching more this year than C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. So this is kind of a win-win. I, and I don't think the Texans can beat the Ravens. That's the other part of it is I feel like they could beat the Browns, but if they go play Baltimore, it's going to be a murder. It, it's just going to be a complete it's, – it's a blowout. Because the way to beat the, the Ravens is you got to be able to establish the run and then set up the pass. And it's not the other way. It's not have C.J. Stroud play brilliantly. Like their coverage has been awesome all year. But please, my brownies. Deep down, know that I, I, am, I am riding with you. And then lastly, lastly, I, I actually normally, I hate both these teams, okay? This is not, I'm not playing favorites here. I hate the Cowboys. I hate the Packers. I despise both of them. I, I, I think their fans are also in the worst, they're, they're among the worst in all of sports, you can have nice fans. Like, I love Dan Shulman. He's a Packers fan. It's the one thing I really hold against him. And he talks about them. He's a real Packers fan. I go, woof. It's hard to hear. It's hard to hear his beautiful voice talk about the Packers in glowing terms. But I kind of like this Packers team. I've enjoyed this Packers team. All of a sudden, no Aaron Rodgers. They're a lot more likable with Jordan Love back there. I'm absolutely unequivocally rooting for the Packers in this game. And it's not because I like them. It's just because it's so much more interesting for football. If Mike McCarthy blows this game and then Bill Belichick becomes a conversation with the Dallas Cowboys. And here's what I'll say, Dallas fans. I'm rooting against you this week, but it's because I'm rooting for the greater good. I don't think you can win with McCarthy. I don't. I don't. I, McCarthy will show. He will show himself. And you know he will show himself in some big moment this weekend. That, or maybe not this weekend. Maybe you get maybe you skate this weekend because you guys are dominant at home. You put a tons of points at home. Maybe you just you, you beat this Packers team in convincing fashion and you say, look at us, look at us go. But you know the date with the Niners is coming. That there will be a there will be a day where you will have to go through the Niners and you ain't doing that. You ain't doing that. So why not lose now and get Phil Belichick? How sick would that be? When I think about Belichick, of all the different places he could go, right? Imagine him setting the wins record with Jerry. Imagine Jerry stealing Bill. Imagine Jerry and Bill riding to start the next thing for the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't want that really because, again, I like the Seahawks. I don't want to see other teams win Super Bowls. But I, I kind of all of the way that this played out, the Patriots, Robert Kraft saying, I'm going to go with the younger, sexier hire. I'm going to go with Gerard Mayo. We're going to try to keep the Patriot way, but Bill, we don't want you around. And, and that's the way it is, okay? Don't get it twisted. That is the way it is. Bill Belichick could have returned. The Patriots decided this was the time. And now I'm rooting for Bill. Now I'm rooting for Belichick. Go Belichick, embarrass the Patriots, ruin that a little bit. Be the greatest coach of all time, but the, you, people go, Patriots really let Bill Belichick walk to have Gerard Mayo? Woof. I want that. Just like it was Patriots let Tom Brady go to keep Bill Bell. I like the Patriots being embarrassed. It's fun. It's good. It's good for the economy. It's good for the economy. So I hope Bill Belichick, I hope 
he ends up wearing the star. I think it would be awesome. Awesome. Can you imagine Dallas media with Bill? The number one most hungry fan base for clips. Jerry having to speak more because Bill won't speak any. So, yeah, go pack. Packers football. Embarrass the Cowboys. Find a way. Let's get Belichick to be wearing the star next season. You don't think Bill can go there even if Dallas wins this Sunday and then loses next week? Maybe, but I will say that it, it will get loud. The only, the only annoying part is that it will get so loud about the Belichick to Dallas stuff during the week that people won't even know that there's still football to be played. That people will just go, because I don't, I, I thought about it, I went, you know, there's something about Bill in Washington because Washington is, they've always been crap. And the only times, you always kind of feel for them because they have an awesome color scheme. They have one of the best colors. They horribly named their team commanders. Uh, they had Dan Schneider for all those years. They finally get new ownership. This year sucked for them. But there's just harmless, right? So Belichick goes there, and I feel like a lot of us who are getting sentimental about Belichick because he's been in our, li- our entire football lives, non-Jets, you know, actually, I think even Jets and Dolphins and Bills fans are kind of rooting for Belichick if he goes to the NFC because they want that same thing. They want the embarrassment. They, they already, no one's going to not call Belichick the greatest coach of all time in his second stop. Like, that's... You want him to be good. You want the Patriots to be embarrassed. I think we're all behind Belichick wherever he goes. If you're of a certain age and you care about football and care about history of the game. And I don't want Belichick to go somewhere and then he sucks. And his second, his second stop ends up being, or I shouldn't say second, because obviously he's with the Browns and his, his time with the Giants. But as a head coach here, like post Patriots, what was it? 24 seasons. It would be great to see him there and it'd be harmless be cool to see Washington get turned around and turn into something. But I don't, I don't want to have to wait for Bell Belichick and developing a quarterback and trying to put a team together. I'd love it if you went somewhere where there was ready-made players. Can you imagine Belichick with Micah Parsons? Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Anyways. The Jays and Vladdy are about to fight over less than $2 million. And I got to say, I don't think it's going to go too well for Vladdy in that room or the future of Blue Jays. Quick break. That's next. All right. Before we talk about Vladdy, a reminder, all the way through January, we're going to be giving away family four packs of tickets to the NHL fanfare. Coming to Toronto on February 1st through the 4th. Not the 4th. The fourth. So, yeah, the 2024 Rogers NHL All-Star Game this year has an NHL fanfare. It's on February 1st. Goes through the fourth, not the force. We're giving away family packs every single day. So you got to listen to the daily code word. Uh, Every day on this show, the J.D. Bungus podcast, we're going to be giving away tickets. So today, the code word that you got to text to 590-590 for your chance to win is Sportsnet. Our next code word will be on... Armin has it written down here as tomorrow's episode. Poof. There is no tomorrow's episode, Armin. It's Friday, buddy. Welcome to the week. It will be on Monday's episode. All right? The following episode of this show, the JD Bunkers Podcast, which you subscribe to and you leave reviews and you like and you subscribe. You tell your friends about it. You say, you go to your thing tonight, whatever it is, in the blizzard. People are going out tonight. It's a blizzard. You're still going out. And if you're not, you're on a Zoom call with a friend, you're on a phone call, you're going, man, I got to tell you. JD has been red hot lately. He's been doing great. I, you got to subscribe. You got to leave five stars. You got to help him out. You got to share it. You got to do all those things. But if you're subscribed to this podcast now, especially lucky you, you got a family, you got friends, you can win one of these four packs. 
And if you don't, if you just want to buy it, you don't want to play, you don't, you don't support the show, you know, you just, you just drop them by for a second. You're like, I'm too busy for that. I got a busy life because I do have a big family. You can go and purchase these tickets at NHL.com slash fanfare while supplies last. Anyway, Vladdy, he's the face of the best players. Hey, would Vladdy be the face of baseball? Turns out, no, not, no, he's not. We thought maybe he is the face of the best players going to arbitration, though. And as was reported by Shai Davidi yesterday, he's going to arbitration over less than $2 million. And it's so funny when we say it that way because, yeah, it's $2 million. It's a lot of, it's a book bucks. I would go to arbitration over two. You could say the meanest things to me, right? Be like, what is it? They're going to say mean things about him. You could say the meanest things about me. If it results in $2 million, I don't care. There's nothing. There's nothing, 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 nothing you could say. But me, you could, we could bring my mom into the room. You could say mean things about her. $2 million. Let it rip. Let it rip. Let's go. Give me the $2 million. Feels a little small in baseball terms, though, for a team. If they really thought their guy was a super-duper star, no. I get it. You gotta be. You don't want to be foolish with your money. Everybody else did settle, but yeah. Now how this works is the arbitrator is going to pick one of their two numbers. They're going to pick Vladdy for under two million dollars or less than two million, or is he's going to get his extra two million? And all I got to say is, I don't think it's a good thing if the Jays go in there and tell Vladdy what a loser he was last year. <laughs> be like, hey, this is you were bad last season. You did not perform very well. Here's all the reasons why we did we don't want to give you an extra two million dollars. And he has to sit there and then the arbitrator actually sides with the Blue Jays. I don't think it's gonna be a great thing if that happens, let's just say. Can't imagine a year from now, people going Vladdy being, hey, that's the business. I love it here. Let's work on our relationship moving forward. Just feels like a bad way to Get out of the gates. There's a reason why they settled with Boba Shett. They gave him the multi-year deal. He said, hey, let's settle this thing. Let's never go to arbitration. Let's not say bad things about one another. And yet, looks like they might be doing it with Vladdy. Don't love it. Don't love it. Also, Stroman signed with New York Yankees. I just got to say quickly, this has all-time villain potential here. This is a nightmare for Toronto Blue Jays fans. Marcus Stroman barking at the Blue Jays. If he shuts them down in baseball games, not going to love that. Not going to love that. Not going to love that. Please just sign somebody, Blue Jays. Sign someone of consequence. Make people excited for baseball here. Uh, just give us something. Give us something other than who the Yankees, what the Yankees are doing and going to arbitration with one of the best players on the baseball team. Anyway, quick, play, quick break. Then Haley Salvian and Chris Berman. Boomer. All right, one of my favorites, even though I'm not one of hers. Haley Salvian, hockey writer for The Athletic. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. It's Friday. Feel good about yeah. it. I'd feel better if I didn't have to do Leafs Sounds Talks like on Saturday and Sunday across from NFL, which is my, like, that's my holiday. That's my holy season is divisional and wildcard rounds, championship rounds and Super Bowl. Yeah. And for me to have to watch the Leafs play during that time is quite upsetting to me. I, I won't lie. It's it's a little offensive. It's two. It's back to back weekends too. 
That kind of sucks. Like, I've, I think I've talked about this before, but, like, my original dream job was, like, I wanted to be Aaron Andrews. Like, I'm going to do Sunday mm-hmm. NFL Countdown. I'm going to cover football. This is the greatest sport ever. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously didn't do that. And I do love hockey, but it's one of those things where I'm, like, so glad that I don't actually have to cover football mm-hmm. at this point in my life because I can just rot Enjoy. on my couch yeah. on oh. Sundays and I don't have to think about, uh. like, that was an interesting route or like what stat, like I don't yeah. have to think critically. I can just yell at my TV <laughs> and I just think yeah. that's a beautiful thing. So I sorry know. that you don't get to rot with all of us. The worst part is I'll be rotting to start. You know, I'll be, I'll be, right. I'll be starting my rot. Switch gears. Yeah. I'll be rotting mm-hmm. away. And then all of a sudden it's just going to be, Hey, get to work, watch this hockey game. And the whole time I'll have all this money on the football and I'll be staring at the Leafs and Avs, and I'll be trying so hard to actually lock in and believe, okay, yeah, no, this matters. Oh, for sure. Regular season game 39, I'm locked in the same way as I am with hundreds of dollars on the line for this football game that I care infinitely more about. Ugh. And I can't even do the du- – I'm, I'm not a dual screen person because I have a bird oh, brain. Yeah, no. If I watch two things, I'm not watching anything. Like I'm at a sports bar and they have the multiple screens. I'm lost. I'm truly – Overstimulated. Big time. Big time. Like, oh, God, old, I got to go home. Old you know bird what? brain has no <laughs> chance in those scenarios. <laughs> Plus talking with other people, it's over. I, I don't walk out of there with anything retained. It's, it's nothing. It's, it's over for me. Um, okay, I want to start right, with this, though. Watched the okay. game last night. Matthew scores twice. They lose to the Islanders. Whatever. Who cares? Um, yeah. they, they lose in overtime. That's their signature play. <laughs> if you want to remember the, the Leafs uh, fondly from this year. So what year was that? What year was 2023, 24? Go the year they went to overtime every single night. You went, oh, right, that team. Um, Matthews is, he's not really chasing 50 and 50 yet because I feel as though at this point you have to be like a goal or two behind the pace or ahead of it. But he does have the potential to do it, just given that he's he's such a threat for multi-goals and the way that he's playing right now. But mm-hmm. I, so they do this thing. There's a big conversation happening with Austin Matthews right now, which is people are propagating the whole, hey, is this guy the, could he be the best goal scorer of all time? And my natural instinct is to go, this is the worst framework. We're trapped in a timeline where every single thing has to be the best or the worst, right? That's the only way that we can kind of talk about sports and it's infuriating yeah. and he's he's really young in his career and look even what's happening with Ovechkin right now. We tried to crown Ovechkin as the greatest of this or that he was going to be a lock to get this goal scoring record and then boom, he turns 38 years old and he's not finding the back of the net the same way. So I like to temper these conversations but then yesterday, the two goals he scores, they get me thinking about how how what a diverse goal scorer he is. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he, he can like, score in such a multitude of different ways. And mm-hmm. now I'm going to kind of join the conversation that I hate so much is he's so unique in his ability. Do you actually, do you think there is a real potential that he could get there? And, and when do you think you will start to feel that way? Okay, but when you say, when, like, will he get there, do you mean, like, he's going to break Gretzky's record or will he you... just wear the crown? Because I, I think that's really different for me yeah. because I think the really important thing, and I honestly, like, I honestly think that players in the league or, like, even Gretzky would say something similar. Like, I've talked about people in the women's game like this before. Mm-hmm. Like, the next generation should always be better than the last when we're talking about 
pure skill and ability, right? Because the game is different. The game is elevated. The game is harder to play in in many different ways. I know there's people who can hear that and be like, it was harder because everyone was trying yeah, to like yeah, 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 yeah. take each other's heads off. I know. I do that with MJ. Like, I do that with MJ and then I watch highlights with MJ sometimes and it's like he's playing against the guy who delivers my mail. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. So I think I I think that you could say that in terms of like pure skill, like we've seen his release um, and I'm glad you brought up like the different ways he can score because I think yesterday was a nice reminder to people who maybe aren't like don't watch all the time and they just talk about his unique release, how quickly he gets a shot off, um, how accurate it is, the shot volume, like. Oh, yeah, Austin Matthews is really good hands, too. Like, he's really smooth. Um, and, you know, that goal, obviously, it's Pontus Holmberg, who I'm talking about the second one. It's Holmberg who kind of starts the turnover. But, you know, Matthews is still, like, deep in the D zone, right? And he's or in the offensive zone. And, you know, he's there for the puck support and the coverage, da-da-da-da-da. So there was a nice example and reminder that, like, Austin Matthews can do more than just line up in the slot and, and score, which is kind of where – rat with Ovechkin and when guys fall off it happens pretty quick and I think we're seeing that this year as you said JD so I think that we could get to a point where we say that Austin Matthews is the best Mm -hmm. goal scorer um, in the NHL right now like not to be a cop out and do the whole compare errors thing um, but like this generation should be better like there should be a better goal scorer than Wayne Gretzky like no disrespect to Wayne Gretzky but hockey is just different now um, and it's just so hard to compare. If you drop Austin Matthews in back then, I don't know what he looks like. You drop Wayne Gretzky in now, I don't know what he looks like. Um, but if we're looking at this in a vacuum, I think Austin's the best goal scorer right now, and I don't see why he wouldn't be the best ever. I mean, he's climbing the Leafs record books. Fourth all-time, fourth all-time uh, he's tied for now, right? Um, he's one behind Daryl Sittler for most multi-goal games. Mm-hmm. He's scoring at a clip like that we haven't really seen in his career yet in terms of the um, efficiency of it. He's shooting 19% this year, which would be a career high. Um, I know we chatted about like, could he do the 50 and 50? I don't know if that's possible. Um, but like he is on pace to get more than 60 goals again in his career. And not many people can say they've done that. So I think he's going to put himself in the conversation for, the best goal scorer for sure. I think a lot of people will say, no, you're just saying this because he's on the Leafs though. So I don't know. Yeah. Which is fair. And I, <laughs> I accept those people that, that throw that at yeah. me. And I would say that if I, if I was a fan of, uh, if someone else was doing it, like if this was a, a Cowboys show, right. And yeah. someone was like, Oh, CD lamb. If he continues to go this route, he could be one of the greatest three receivers of all time. I would say the exact same thing. So I get it. I, right. I accept that criticism. And, and also I think my point to that too, JD is mm-hmm. like, for some of the fan bases who say that, and this is going to sound like a, a fan thing, but this is just like me being like a grouch thing. Mm, like if you're good at that. You, the Buffalo Sabres or the Coyotes or the Islanders had a dude who scored 60 goals twice in his career, then like you could have that conversation too. Yeah, so. I agree. Yeah, get one of those. <laughs> get one of those or shut up about it is what I would say, Coyotes fans. Uh, okay, so there's there's a couple things there that I want to touch on. One is... I think that in order for him to do it, he actually doesn't have to pass Gretzky, but he has to pass Ovechkin. That's the interesting part of this is um, I agree with you. But what you said is the next players will be better than the next. Like I, I feel horrible saying this because he's actually someone who I've read two different biographies on and who I just, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, adoring, right. Is Bill Russell. 
but I saw mm-hmm. some highlights the other day of Bill Russell defending Wilt Chamberlain. It was like hard to watch because you go, man, the game is just so different right now. You can't, you can't compare. So I actually don't really like comparing eras. I like to just say who's the greatest yeah. of something because of their era. But the difference with hockey, and I've said this before, but if you want to talk about who's the worst out of great players when it comes to the YouTube era, it's Gretzky because you see him score on goalies that are wearing street hockey gear and who are flying out of the net when he raises his stick like above his waist, right? And he's like giving them the open cage. So to me, hockey is just a little bit different from the other sports in terms of how we evaluate this one particular thing, which is goal scoring. Goal scoring in the modern era is just, to me, infinitely harder than it was back then on those different goaltenders. That being said, I don't take away from Gretzky. I still think that he is the greatest player of all time. I still think that you do have to be independent or dependent on how you do these conversations. But the, the interesting one is that we have Alex Ovechkin right now. That is, that is Matthews's peer. That is his contemporary yeah. in some ways. And we've seen Alex Ovechkin and we saw the ways that he did it. And I, I, I find it shocking to me that I, someone who already believes that Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all time, regardless of whether or not he hits that record, which I'm rooting for him not to hit, I <laughs> kind of feel like Matthews could end up surpassing him. That we could be doing the same thing of, hey, does Matthews actually need to pass Ovechkin in order for him to be considered the best because of the different ways that he scores? That's what I find fascinating about this conversation is that we're seeing it in real time with both those guys. Yeah, definitely. And I think the further or the longer that Austin Matthews plays in the league and Alex Ovechkin isn't going to be there, I think, you know, people are going to start to care less and less about um, that kind of standings board, honestly. Mm-hmm. Just recency bias, right? More people are going to be seeing Austin Matthews. They won't be seeing Ovechkin. And sure, there'll be some, you know, stats watchers, but I do think people will, like, get a little bit more removed from that. But you're right. You know, we're still seeing Ovechkin. I mean, he's not scoring as much as he used to, so we're not, like, seeing Ovechkin um, kind of dominate. Uh, it's been really interesting to see him, like, transition into his, like, old man stage of the game, though, where he's literally just, like, lining up to rip shots from the mm-hmm. circle. That's all okay. he's doing. He's not scoring. We all, know what's going, we all know what's going on here, mm-hmm. um, which is very funny. So, I don't know. I think... I think Austin Matthews could get there, but then I think, you know, someone will come up after him too. Sure. It's just the nature of things. Sure. I agree. I will say, though, for people, if you want some context of what Matthews is doing right now, this one jumped out at me is he's now, after yesterday, he's five goals back of Henrik Zetterberg, who played uh, almost 1,100 career games. Matthews is at 519. So, All-time scoring? Yeah. All, goals. Hilarious. Yeah. Zetterberg, he was a pretty good player. I think if everyone would agree that Henrik Zetterberg was pretty nasty. <laughs> and again, he wasn't exactly just a Mr. Goal-scoring phenom, but he had yeah. th- th- 1,082 games. Matthews is five back of him. Five. So, hmm. <laughs> he's pretty good. He's pretty good at scoring goals, I just want to say. Uh, it's a pretty pretty nice stat. Uh, okay, so the Leafs schedule I want to talk to you about next. Um, only the Bruins see a bigger uh, jump in strength of schedule in the second half. But we've criticized the Leafs about the way they play against bad teams. We've questioned whether or not they're locking into a playoff matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning come February every single year, harms them come playoff time. But they're in a real playoff race here. Like there's scenarios where they drop one to the Avs and then they drop another to Detroit this weekend. And we're going, man, are the Leafs going to like, are they actually in a playoff chase? Do you think that this is ultimately a good thing for the Leafs or does this make you nervous? I feel like I err on the side of this is a good thing. I think, um, I think I, I might go with like a women's sport 
comp for just one second yeah, because I've talked to somebody, like I've talked to some players about this and the way in which like they were saying like at a world championships or Olympics, you know, it's typically always Canada and USA in the gold medal game. Right. And the team who finishes undefeated in the pool, whether it's Canada, or the U S will have like the easier routes, to the gold medal game. They'll play against the lower seeds. They'll beat up on them, whatever. And then the kind of second seed will have a bit of a harder time. They'll play against like Finland and Switzerland, some of the better, better teams on their way to the gold medal game. And I've talked to players before who say like they actually prefer that because by the time you get to the gold medal game, like you've already had a couple battles. You're not just, you know, doing some tap ins. You're not dancing around the offensive zone. You're actually like hard on the four check. Yes. Play defense. Your goalies have to be dialed in. Like it just prepares you better for what's going to be like the game that is the most important. So I, ever since I heard that, I've thought about that a bit and, you know, not to suggest that if the Leafs are playing like bottom barrel teams for the whole second half of the season, they're just going to be dancing around and doing nothing. You would hope that they would um, be better than that. But I definitely don't have a problem with the team having a bit of like a, a harder schedule heading into the games that they actually have to win uh, or the, the games that mean more um, because they're going to be more battle tested, so to speak, right? They're going to have to work on certain things that's going to be important um, when it matters. And I think we always kind of see the intensity of games themselves ratchet up in that kind of final quarter of the season too, um, where either the teams that are trying to make the playoffs um, start playing hard or the teams that have nothing to lose start playing hard. And then the teams that are going into the playoffs, um, you know, start getting ready for that intensity. So I don't think that that should be a bad thing for the Leafs. I think, I think if the Leafs are worried about playing hard hockey at the end of the regular season, then <laughs> they probably have a bigger concern about the playoffs, right? Like you should be wanting that test. You should be wanting to play in that environment and to be ready for the games that matter the most, in my opinion. So I don't have a problem with it. Like, I don't know, we've seen them drop down to their opponents um, for how many years now? Like, I feel like if they were just playing against the Sharks, and I know they beat the Sharks in their recent matchup, um, but if they were just playing against lesser opponents and dropping down to them and then going into a first-round matchup against, you know, the hated Tampa Bay Lightning, I maybe wouldn't be super comfortable because it would almost be like, a, oh, God, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. So I think it's probably a good thing for them, honestly. This is, you can tell the show is in Toronto right now because like you're, you got to deal with this because you're a national hockey writer. Like, you know, you, you cover it all. You cover the women's game, men's game, national scope. Me, I'm just a local guy. So this makes sense. But now you're, you've been sucked into is Matthews the greatest goal scorer of all time, 500 games into his career. And also yeah, hard games, good for Leafs, like a hard schedule. Good for Leafs probably means they're just going to win more. This is good stuff. Okay. So then let's go a little against the Leafs. Um, I was thinking about this. Oilers won nine straight. Jets have won eight straight. Mm. Canucks still at the top of their division in the Pacific with 59 points. And uh, I think they've won even four, what, four in a row? Four or five in a row? Anyways, they're they're playing well right now. They've been having some statement games on their schedule. Um, Are the Leafs the fourth best Canadian team in the country. Where, where do you have the Leafs in terms of the amongst the best Canadian teams right now? Like, let's put it this way. If you had to bet your life um, or oh money, God. you have to bet your life. Fine. You just put money, a lot of money. I give you a free million dollars. I'm like, you can put it on down on, but you have to, the, the caveat here is you have to put it down. You have to break up the million dollars onto three teams. Yeah. How would you break down the money? 
for them to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So you got to take the, the team you have the most faith in, you put money down on them. Second most, you get a slot. Dude. What? This is mean. How is this mean? You're putting me on this spot. No, this is a spot. You should know um, this. It, who, which teams do you think are the best ones? Is it, it like. I it, should know this. Okay. I feel you like. You should know this. That's not on the spot. Who do you think are good teams in hockey, hockey writer? Okay, but it's the, it's the where do you put the, like, where do I rank the Leafs in that top four yeah. conversation? Because if I was just going to say who's the best team in Canada right now, I would probably go with the Winnipeg Jets. I would say Oilers. One, really? Yes. You would, if, take, if, you would take yeah the Oilers goaltending against Connor Hellebuck. Yes. I would take the That's Oilers over everyone. The Oilers are fully back. Yeah. The, the Oilers are just back. They're they're totally back. They're, they're, they're a wagon. They're terrifying. I'm watching their games. I'm like, you guys have yeah, the top end skill. Easy. You play heavy. Uh, you know, you've, you're actually getting goaltending again. I, I believe in the Oilers. I just think that the Oilers are nasty. They're the scariest team. I think they're the best team. And then, yeah, I, I would never. I've seen what Connor McDavid has done in the playoffs before. I'm terrified of him. I feel like they're they're back to being the team. Yeah, I'm with you. Like I'd have the Oilers. Um, I'd have the Oilers over the Canucks right now. Although mm-hmm. I would like if I, I'm such. I'm a big goalie person but i have to like stop myself mm-hmm. from just going with the goalie in the playoffs because last year that didn't matter like the golden it. knights had to like cut some guys off the cup in terms of goalies because they played so many dudes and like aiden hill was the one who won the stanley cup for them so it wasn't necessarily the goalies that got them in and like all those top dog goalies were out by like round two mm-hmm. um so it didn't necessarily matter but i feel like i don't know if the leafs would be the <sighs> i would have the jets and the Oilers in their own tier, then I would have the Canucks in another tier because I do think they're still very good. I don't know why I just can't, like, put them in the same grouping as them, and maybe it's because it's just year one of them being, like, good again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would probably have Toronto on the outside of that. Okay, so the Um, thing about your goalie They would be in their own tier. So I would, like, put, like, I would put, like, the most money on, the Jets and the Oilers, then I would do the Canucks, and then I would sprinkle on the Leafs. Wow, so the Leafs are four to you. Are they three to you? Do you have them over the Canucks? A hundred percent. Yeah, Canucks, no. Yeah, I just think the Leafs are better than Canucks. I just, I really do. I think that's Saturday. But this is the one part where I will go goalies. Goals. I would take Dr. Demko sure. over, like, anybody. And, the, like, the Leafs goaltending situation is frightening. That's it. If But if you were doing it uh, right off of goaltenders, then the Leafs shouldn't, They where would they be in the entire NHL if we're doing this, right? Like, where would the Leafs well, be? Well, goalies are part of the team, J.D. No, and no, no, they are. And the goaltending has, like, torpedoed the Leafs and the yeah. Oilers this season at certain yes, points. Yes, 100%, 100%. All, my, my only point here is that if we were doing the I got to pick goaltenders and I got to pick who I have the most <laughs> faith in moving forward – then no one would put any money on the Leafs. You couldn't put the Leafs in basically into the conversation because almost every single team in the NHL has a better goaltending situation than Toronto does. Even Not though I really senators. do. Well, yeah, the Senators are just. This is this is getting to a really embarrassing. You know how low you have to go to be embarrassing for Ottawa. It's just woof. It's bad. It's bad there. Like what, what was it? They just got shelled by the Sabers last night. Shelled. Just yeah. completely dog walked. And uh, ugly, ugly team. I just, where I'm at with it right now is I would say, yeah, I'm biased, but I would go Oilers one. And I think uh, Leafs two, Jets three, and then Canucks dead last. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's how I would do it. That's how I would do it. I don't believe, I don't believe. You're a Toronto radio Yeah, I am. That's right. Well, listen, <laughs> I have to do it this way. Is the truth deep down that I think the Jets have j- probably jumped the Leafs? Yes. I don't think the Canucks have. I really don't. I like their goaltending a lot more. I don't like really, I, I like their blue line maybe a touch more, but Toronto's probably going to end up bolstering that group. And I know we can't play the like ifs and maybes, but yeah, I just mm-hmm. trust Toronto's pedigree more than I trust Vancouver's. I think that's fair, and that's why I have Vancouver in, like, a tier below the Jets and the Oilers in terms of where I'm putting my money on, even though the Canucks have, like, better numbers in many different ways. Like, they have the same amount of regulation wins, um, and that's the other thing to keep in mind. Uh, All these other teams win in regulation way more than the Leafs do, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's fine. Like, you don't have to do shootouts and stuff in the playoffs. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah. There's no three on three, right? Everything's fine. Listen, I had to ask you because you're credible because my answer wasn't going to be credible. So we we have it. Like yours is a credible answer, even though it was on the spot. Canucks have the most goals in the NHL right now Mm -hmm. and the best goal differential. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to – I think I've, like, had a bit of the Canucks Kool-Aid, though. I think – I'm staying up late to watch Western Conference hockey games, Uh and now I just love the Canucks and Jets. So – I think this weekend could go poorly for the Leafs. I'm a little nervous about this weekend. I feel like there's they're gonna they're gonna smash the Canucks in Vancouver on the twentieth. Okay. Yeah. That's, you think the Leafs are gonna beat the Canucks? Yeah, on the twentieth. Yeah, I yeah. do. And I know this will get played. I, I know my guys, Halford and Bruff, they'll they'll clip this. They'll <laughs> play this. They'll, they'll make me come on their show after they inevitably lose. Everyone's gonna be so mad at me saying I jinxed them on this, but no. I think it's too much pressure for Vancouver. It's always their Super Bowl playing Toronto. It's like it means so much to them. And Toronto's like, we don't even know you exist, really. Like, honestly. This is going to be what they hammer you for. But we don't. You think people here ever think about Vancouver? Like, whenever people do, like, what's the nicest cities in Canada? What are the things? We we just go, we don't really care. Toronto's obsessed with America. They're not obsessed with anywhere else in Canada. It's like, we're obsessed with what Philadelphia thinks of us, right? Or what Boston thinks of us. We don't care one iota about what Vancouver thinks. It's just, oh, yeah, you guys are over there. You're up. You guys are up late. (laughs) That's all we think. You guys are doing stuff late at night over there. Huh? You guys are exercising, grouse grind. That's what we know. Anyway, uh, I hated it. Like, don't do it. If you're listening to this, don't. You're just walking up the stairs for 45 minutes. My boy Dan Riccio made it his entire identity. So, yeah, it happens out there. Find a nicer hike with a good view. You're just in the going upstairs. Don't do it. I agree, um, but it's on TikTok and Instagram, so people like it. Uh, all right, Haley Salvian, we got to run because we got Chris Berman. Thanks for making time today. You're kicking me off for him. Yes, we are 100 percent every single time. Ten okay. out of ten. Thank you for your time. Goodbye, Bye. Haley Salvian, hockey writer for the Athletic. Quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk to Boomer. You know me. I'm always very appreciative of everybody that makes time for this show. I can't believe that people will. Be willing to give their time and come on this humble podcast and share their thoughts. It's a pleasure. But this one's different. This is always whenever it's this guy. It's an honor. One of the greatest of all time, host of NFL Primetime. It's Chris Berman. Good morning. Good morning, J.D. And it's not too late to say Happy New Year, right? Yes. To me, yes. You can say it to me because you're Chris Berman. You, you, you make the rule, all right? I'll, I'll just follow No, no, no. It's good all January. I yeah. mean, we got 12 months. So at any rate, yeah. uh, hope everybody's doing great up there. I, I owe your city a visit. I love it. Yeah. You're, hey, guess what? I'll say on behalf of Toronto, you're welcome anytime. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let them know at the at customs when you're coming through. You're like, yeah, I don't really need to do this. JD said it was all right. Now I'm sure they'll just they'll rush you right through. They'll give you the. Oh cool. come yeah. on, you got pull. Yeah, you got, that's you what got, I'm saying. You know, street cred. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's they'll treat you like they did with Kawhi, where they're like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, don't get off the plane. It's we're trying to right, keep you here. Right. That didn't work out, but we did our best. We we turned a blind eye yeah. at customs to Kawhi, and he still didn't want to end up staying here. Okay, so. Uh, I can't, I can't wait to talk about the bills with you. You are, I still think the face of the Buffalo bills, but I got to ask you first, because this is, this is history. Seeing Palachek, Saban, Carroll all end their tenures within 24 hours. felt like we were all just reeling. It was, it was tough to come into the studio and actually properly do these shows. Now you've had a little bit of time and space. I, I know Belichick's got to be at the top of the pile with this thing, but what, what was your reaction? How are you feeling right now? Well, I'll tell you what, it, I mean, I think any football fan, it was seismic. I mean, whatever word we use, it, it's accurate, right? Because, you know, we sniffed the bill that this was going to happen. We didn't know 100% because everybody was tight-lipped, as you know. Nick Saban, I'm not as dialed in in the com. I mean, obviously, I've met him. I know him, but I, I'm not in the college circles. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have heard anything, so that doesn't mean anything here or there, but... Mm-hmm. Still, it's jarring. I mean, of course, you know, those two guys are, are best of friends. Um, and Pete Carroll was the one that surprised me some. I mean, some. Uh, I smelled maybe, but he uh, – hey, look, there's a lot of coaching life left, and, and all of them, Nick, I'm sure it sounds just reading between the tea leaves that, that he – I think part of it is all the changing, uh, you know, college or what has changed and what may be even, quote, worse. I don't know. I don't claim to know that one. For for Bill, and I guess this is the way the Seahawks felt as well, although Pete not necessarily, um, and, and I'm not trying to code it over, J.D., at all, is sometimes even when the, when we're in the midst of something, well, no, it's got to stay like this. Gotta, fresh air is sometimes good for everybody involved. Now, I'm not saying that, that that's um, – I, I think Bill was offered to stay, but it would be hard to relinquish, you know, part of the final say, the structure that had been set up for, dare we say, a quarter of a century, right? Um, it, he, that wasn't going to work even if it was on paper. No, 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 we got a GM, you're the coach, just do that. I, that, that wasn't going to work. Not that he's above it, but. That's look, I'm 68. Uh, I, I'm young compared to, to Bill and Pete, but not compared to most, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we're not so set in our ways that we can't learn and that we can't say, Hey, there's an advantage to this, but that's how we operate. So look, he or Don Shula, take your pick, the greatest coach of all time. He would be at the top of anyone's list, obviously, the only reason I'm not completely floored is that we were kind of prepared for this. Yeah. We just didn't know how it would go, right? And and the two times did it, not a word, classily, you know, with class, I should say. Um, well, I'm going to wait for a trade. No, we're, we're, we're going to hold you to the – no. Mm. At that point, it's, you know, I'm sure – and the Crafts very quickly named a, a replacement today in Gerard Mayo. I mean, that was – Fast, so I don't know how I feel about that. You, I, I it seems quick, but then yeah. again, apparently that's been the plan all along, right? Sure. So I, I knew Gerard as a player. I, I hadn't been up there the last couple of years, JD, is it to see him? I mean, I know he gets lauded by the players as a hell of a coach and a guy that that 
that they respect. So there's no problem there. Um, I, you know, so how much other changes will there be given that this took 24 hours or, or really <laughs> probably was in the works a while ago. Now yep. we can sniff it out. Right. Yep. So I don't know that I, I dislike it. I, I wish I will get to know him a little better. Obviously he was a hell of a player and very coachable and, Teddy Bruschi always spoke so highly of him as, as uh, someone who wanted to learn when he was young, when Teddy was, was going out. So, you know, I filed that all the way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, but as we found out, not the case in Pete's case, cause Geno Smith is, is okay. He's not Josh Allen, but he's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be okay for eight more years, but he's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the Patriots had none. You don't have a quarterback. Um, up until Jacksonville bottomed out getting bigger here um, and didn't win the division, there was like two weeks left in the season. I went, hmm, look at the eight division leaders. You know, Cleveland's had a hell of a year, but they aren't leading the division because of Baltimore, right? They're all with their starting quarterbacks who they began the year with. Like, so no matter that this was the year of the backup quarterback and we will forever remember Josh Dobbs and forever remember well, Joe Flacco, that story. And and, and even Tommy DeVito, which was hysterical and, 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 and actually happened. It was great, right? All these are great. We'll remember them. You're not winning the Super Bowl. There's no knock on any of these gentlemen, right? Unless you have your, your guy or someone who is your starter, who you don't quite kind of think is top eight or something. And, but they play all the way through and, and they deliver. So again, I'm getting away, but that's really the Patriots in the end had no, they had no talent, the talent, awful word. They had no, they had nobody on difference offense. makers. They, they had nobody they, on they, offense. Very few difference makers, right? Yeah. So, so I don't care now whose fault is that, that to build a G or whatever, but Bill, mm-hmm. the coach, he got everything out of them that they could. You know, uh, given what we saw on the field, that's um, it. And 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 he still has lots of coaching. And look, he has he said it. No, he's fourteen off the all-time record of Don Shula. Mm-hmm. He's three thirty-three. Shula's three forty-seven. So, you know, I'm not saying drop me in on Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Neither, which is happening. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I can get it quickly and be done. But I can't, I would be, although the openings that he's going to look at, you know, I'm hearing Atlanta and Washington, well, they don't have quarterbacks. So I don't know. I don't, he'll win his 15 games to be an all-time leader. And Pete, in the right situation, look, he's beloved in Seattle. I'm very close with them too. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was more of a surprise up there. Um, yeah, but this is an owner, Jody Allen, you know, uh, the, the the widow of Paul Allen, who said very little. I don't mean this year. I mean, for a couple of years. But it was her alone. And it's not necessarily the worst. We'll see what happens up there. Could be Dan Quinn, who used to be their defensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator for Dallas, and who took Atlanta to the Super Bowl. I understand they, they lost the biggest lead of all time, but he took a team to the Super Bowl, right? Like, he's not oblivious to being able to be a good coach. But you got to have a quarterback, right? And which, which leads us to the Bills.
<laughs> well, yeah, and and listen, I think the Bills are going to be one of the most dangerous teams in playoffs just because of that quarterback. But to close the Belichick thing, because, yeah, I think you're right. I'm a Seahawks fan. I was surprised that Pete Carroll was let go. I thought that it was going to be one more year, but I actually I, I agree with the decision and to your point about the fresh air. I think it had kind of gotten to that point in Seattle. The, the difference with the New England one and what I find so fascinating about it is, you know, I saw a stat yesterday that I thought was amazing, which is that since Bill Belichick came in the league, his defenses, number one in points against play per drive, like number one, the entire stretch. So you can't put that on Tom Brady, right? And you saw that this year, like his defense was still locking teams up all season long. And here they are with the opportunity to draft a quarterback, you know, with that three pick. Here they are in a, in a catbird seat in a good quarterback year where they can get someone. And I thought that cooler heads would prevail here and that he would relinquish some GM duties, duties and that... The Patriots wouldn't want to move on. They didn't want to see him get that wins record in a different uniform. Do they really believe deep down that Gerard Mayo is going to be a better head coach than Bill Belichick? And it's it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. It, it really is. And so now I, I'm, I find myself as a guy who is lifelong rooting against Bill Belichick, rooting for him in whatever his next stop is. I want to see this continue. I want to see him establish himself somewhere where he wins and that it's not just... Uh, another situation where it's a great coach in their second stop that is underwhelming because that's usually the way things go here. I want to see him have his Tom Brady moment where he wins or has a ton of success with another organization. The question is where you said it. It's like Falcons, now Washington, now that doesn't feel right. I I wonder if it's going to be one of these teams that we're seeing this weekend. If there's someone that's out there right now that's going, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You can get Bill freaking Belichick. And I think that the, the, I've said it earlier, wouldn't the most fun, wouldn't the best situation be the Packers win this weekend, Jerry Jones fires Mike McCarthy, Whoa. and he says, <laughs> please come to Dallas, wear, wear the Dallas Stars pullover hoodie and, and coach this team that is ready to win, that has Micah Parsons on your defense, that has Dak Prescott already in place with CeeDee Lamb. It's, it's right there for the taking. The Eagles are in shambles. The division is ours. Bill Belichick, Dallas Cowboys. How does that sound to you? You like it? We lose you? Lose Boomer? I think we did. He dropped out. I think he laughed, and then he was like, no, this, is, this guy's ridiculous. I don't... I don't, I don't trust a guy with opinions this way. I don't trust guys that root for <laughs> Belichick and Cowboys evil reunion. We got him back. We got Boomer there. All right. Yeah. Do you like that idea? You got it? Yeah. You like that idea? You think that's a fit? Well, if, the, if, if Dallas loses to Green Bay, mm-hmm. then to your point, all bets are off with the Cowboys, right? Because mm-hmm. they've had a really good year, mm-hmm. of course, at home. Mm-hmm. As you know, they won 16 in a row at home. Mm-hmm. For the Packers to beat him, everything's going to have to go right. But as somebody once said, I think he's on ESPN, that's why they play the games. So um, if this is a bizarre game and here's a kickoff return, right? And here's, you know, here's a fumble recovery. And then if, if well, that's very real if they lose to the Packers. Because Jerry Jones is the, only, is the type of owner that would say, you know what? I can't believe because this is his best team of, of Dak's era. And he I loves believe. stars. He loves, I, I completely agree. I think that the Cowboys are the same, but different. If that makes sense. Yes, because they're going to look, look to your, to your point, <laughs> Booger and I, and Tommy and I, are uh-huh. the same thing. And we, we're not Dallas haters at all. 
I mean, you respect what the Cowboys have been yeah. and the fans and the, et cetera. Sure. But, but we always say they come trotting out of the tunnel, especially oh, yeah. at home with the helmet polish. Oh, yeah. Oh, they look good. Oh, do they Oh, ever. they look good. They do. And then they're playing the 49ers, and they oh, don't play good. It's an ass-kicking. Right? So, but Green Bay and then a formidable team behind them, I mean, we're not even – so if they beat – here's here's what – Green Bay would be a pretty long shot. Yeah, okay? I agree. Um, I agree. I mean, on the road, Dallas is great at home. Despite the history, right? Yeah. But, but the, the interesting question to debate – and just think about and not predict is okay. So they beat the Packers, Dallas, because I haven't thought of this till now. Mm-hmm. But then they lose the next game to whoever. I mean, it would be Detroit if they won, who already beat them, but they lost. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, <laughs> kind of like you know, yeah, they already beat them, but they lost. And if they lost. The second game at home. They haven't been to a championship game since 95, as you know. That's a great point. I don't know if it's all about this game. I feel like there's a scenario where, you know, they lose again to the Niners and maybe this thing's still on the table. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering about the second game. They're Mm -hmm. at home. They've now won 17 in a row. I'm I'm not sweeping the Packers under the rug. Sure. But if they lose the second game to Detroit, I'm just throwing it out there, sure. right? And the Rams could beat Detroit. We know that. Um, Sounds like you like Detroit, though. They, they, I, I do. But, you know, Matthew Stafford is one of the top seven or eight in football. I agree. Golf is very good, but not. Matthew Stafford's playing really good ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he'll bring Barry Sanders and Megatron with him <laughs> in that game and, and upset Detroit. I don't know. Yeah. But um, but if Detroit wins, only because they played already on that field and they quote won. They're not going to go in there, oh, God, we're over our heads. That's my point, right? So they lose one of those home games, then in play. If they lose a championship game, if it's 60-3, to maybe. If it's a classic like 42 years ago, uh, two days ago, the catch, but they lose. Mm-hmm. No, because McCarthy has – They've had a really good year, right? Mm-hmm. At least at home. Sure. I mean, they, but you're right. You know, it's so. Same but different. When my point was on Schefter, and then I, I didn't mean to get back to it. He, don't be so surprised if one of the playoff teams is, is the leader for Bill Belichick. So that leads right into what you just suggested. Yes. I don't think he's, he's pre- suggesting one. Uh-huh. He's suggesting any, right? Yeah. Sure. So, I, and, and that makes sense. That makes sense to me because if I'm Belichick and I think we 72, 71, I don't want to go somewhere where it's a four or five year investment. I want to go somewhere where we're at least ready to compete and win now. Like I, I don't want to have to chase the wins record for four years. I want to be chasing it in two seasons. And so I, I just, I like the Cowboys for just a wide variety of reasons, but yeah, I just wonder how much of it is on the table. Okay. Your bills. Um, I, I'm nervous a little bit about this game for Buffalo because of the wind. It's like 17 mile yep. per hour winds. Just a, one of those weird anything-can-happen games, right? With the, with the weather, the Bills are ranked by pro football focus 29th against the run, which is not great. That's their defense grade, and the Steelers have been running the football better. That being said, Steelers 1-10 without T.J. Watt. Double-digit dogs in wild-card games are 0-11 straight up and 2-9 and against the spread. 
Mm. Hey, interesting. Those are interesting. That's a that's good history. You know, I'm not a big believer of like uh, always predicts the future, but that's a good one. But how do you feel about the Bills right now? Because they've looked down throughout the year, but then they end up with this two seed. They end up winning the division. They do have Josh Allen, who I I feel so confident about his ability to just put the cape on and win games for this team. But what, do you view the Bills as a team that can actually win a Super Bowl this year? Do you view them as a threat to lose this game? Like, where are you right now emotionally, and uh, where are you at just when you think about the Buffalo Bills and their chances this season? One where, that they opened up with uh, banners that had their visor with the Lombardi trophy in them. <laughs> well, that's Buffalo, and we love them for it, sure. right? We, that's why yeah, I, that fan base and that, that all of Western New York and a good part of Toronto, I would guess, in your area and Ontario and others Big time. respect the Bills because you knock them down, and, but we're back, right? So, all right, if you were Antarctica in Antarctica, okay, and you left on Labor Day, and went down there, and you didn't have any communication, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you came back, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you you might have purchased one of those Bill's Lombardi uh, hats, shirts, sure. what have you, Zubas. They still wear them up in Buffalo sometimes, I crack up. Um, so, um, and came back and said 11-6, and six, second seed. Mm, 11-6, and six, not quite the record, I thought, but second seed, what's the problem? Right, if you saw nothing, is that fair? I mean, you'd say, okay, fine. Oh, Baltimore was 13-4. and four. They must be really good. We're ahead of the Chiefs in seeds. We, we must be. We beat the Chiefs. Ah, I've, I've just come back from four months. I know nothing. The, I, the unsettling part about the Bills, and then I'll tell you plenty to be settling about, is if you just look at the five-game winning streak, right? The second half against Miami, when Josh indeed put the cape on, um, although they needed a 95-yard punt return mm-hmm. to do it, although they could have scored on the pass at the two-yard line at the end of the half, but they didn't. You know, mm-hmm. we all saw it, right? But the second half, you know, once they they tie, once the punt return happened, Josh running, throwing, he was Superman. He he likes being it. He's not afraid of being it. He's great at it. Um. But that five-game winning streak, other than the Dallas demolition, to your point, right, um, it's not – and then the half against Miami, was it a jump up and down like, oh, my God, were the Ravens obliterating Miami and San Francisco? We're not. Now, that's the uh uh-oh side. The upside is the weather aside for a moment because that – the two things about weather, one is – you know, not to compare it to us trying to hit a golf ball in 25-mile-an-hour winds when we're a 14 handicap. Well, what do you think is going to happen? So, um, um, and, and, and also it's a leveler, can be, and the football isn't round, which isn't news-breaking on this podcast radio show, but mm-hmm. it bounces not normal, right? So, so the weather can be a curveball. Again, another analogy. Now, all that aside, Buffalo knows that Pittsburgh, yeah, they got a receiver out there that can score a home run, but not that's not really what they want to do. Pittsburgh took them all year to rediscover their Jerome Bettis inner selves, right, and many other runners. Um, the Bills know that's coming. I would be shocked if they didn't. 
I don't mean like shut it down completely, but you know what's coming, especially if it's windy as hell. And if they can't stop that, then they're not winning the Super Bowl anyway. Is that fair to say? Even if they win the game, if they, that, that's trouble. But if, if you're going to think that Pittsburgh is 75% in this game, one-dimensional offensively, mm-hmm. although very good at it, and, you, and they stop it, then what? Josh will be outstanding no matter what the situation. I know what we all remember is that New England, what was that? Uh, There's uh, no game. They were three of four or mm-hmm. two of three in passing, and they won the game. Yes. Right? That bizarre Monday night game. That's what I kind of thought of when I read the weather. I know. Um, so, but that being said, and who knows what kind of passing, Josh will try it. Digs the tight ends. Pittsburgh, to their credit, won a lot of their games, especially earlier this year before they went into that. We lost to New England. We lost to Arizona. We're in real trouble. Uh, and before they righted them, their ship, 3-0 and with Rudolph. Well, by the way, Rudolph should play well at the Christmas holidays, as I said on the air, right? Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a time of year that Rudolph is going to play well? You get it's time. It. But, uh, but, but the Bills, when Pittsburgh won earlier this year and was piling wins that they ended up needing, was always they look bad, they look bad, they look mediocre, they look okay, they look okay. Oh, they made an interception at the goal line at the end of the game and they won again. It was like three weeks in a row. It was like sometimes it was at the one-minute mark. Oh, they got the turnover right at the end, and they're ahead 16-13, and they kneel down. Now, that's not a knock. They kind of wait on that, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. They That's where the Bills, and they run the ball on Pittsburgh without, without uh, T.J. Watt. You'd like to think so. Can Buffalo, right? Can they? Yep. You'd like to think so. Um, yeah. I fear it because of the weather. But let me take a broad brush at the AFC, which is fascinating. It's because the Chiefs are in the same boat as the Bills, yeah. a different boat, but the same. I'm not going to call it ocean. Different boat, same lake. Like Baltimore is by far and away the best in the regular season. That doesn't matter now, but they are now, and they have a special quarterback, a different type of special quarterback. But here's Allen and Mahomes. Like, are they both capable of putting the cape on and just winning in spite of some of the deficiencies? Absolutely. That's why the AFC is fascinating. It's not the Chiefs and the Bills that we remember. I completely agree. recent years. But, but it's the quarterbacks we remember despite, oh, Josh is turning it over too much. Yeah, but he has 40-whatever touchdowns. Well, Mahomes, yeah, but Kelsey hasn't kind of been open for a month or five weeks. He's going to so. Wow, that's zero degrees. So, again, but he's going to somehow get open more in January than he was in December. So, a couple of guys are going to catch the ball. Maybe Jay from State Farm. I don't know who. But um, but, but, um, you have Mahomes and, and Josh sitting there capable of magic. So, I find it fascinating Uh but then the Bills would have the Chiefs finally at home if they get past Pittsburgh. So long it. answer. That's it. Am I concerned? Yes. Am I concerned? Yeah, because if Pittsburgh does run and the weather is awful and here comes a turnover or two, sure. You know, Pittsburgh's not going to get uh, – this isn't Miami going into zero degrees. This is Pittsburgh. So 
Is it possible? Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think we're staring at Bills hosting Chiefs, and that in itself will be fascinating. And I hope if that's the case, we have, you know, 35 degrees. Of course, they'll put that game at night, unfortunately, so it won't be 35. But uh, we're just kind of ranting and raving on this program. But no, if that's they, it, though. You're but kind of I'm right. If the Bills and the Chiefs lose... I'll be surprised. I agree. This opening round. I think that the Bills are simultaneously the most dangerous team in the AFC that's not the Baltimore Ravens. And they are also a threat to somehow lose this weekend. Anyways, we're over. Chris Berman, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll see you next week.